0: Over the weekend, uh, I saw the movie Air, which just came out. Seeing it uh, really sparked up a lot of thoughts and feelings around what sneakers meant to me growing up, uh, what they meant to folks that looked like me, and kind of juxtaposing that against what sneaker culture is now, you know, from the the digital transformation of the industry, uh, consignment and resellers, to the shifts in the actual... Culture that was built around sneaker interest and enthusiasm. Uh, even the people who buy and consume sneakers has changed, and you know how we buy and consume sneakers has changed. And it's, it's an ongoing conversation about have things gotten net better or net worse. It's my time, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's on me. I'm gonna make them believe. What's good, good people, wherever you may be watching or listening, however you may be watching or listening. I am Merc, and this is Gaslit. To all my first-time listeners and viewers, welcome to Gaslit. I thank you for pulling up on me. For all my old heads, y'all already know what it is. Thank you for staying locked in. So boom. Um, it's been a pretty chill week. I've been, you know, keeping my head down, just working, managing some business things, some things popping up here and there. So it's been pretty chill, pretty productive. Uh, my sleep though has been a little bit out of rhythm the last few weeks. Um, but you know, I think this past week was probably the best that it's been over the last couple of weeks. Still not great, but you know, better than it's been so. I can't complain. Um, I don't know about any of y'all out there, but I have like these insomnia spells every now and then where it's like it doesn't matter what I do, what I take, what my day is, what my diet is. Some nights I'm just going to be up and it just kind of is what it is. So um, if any of you guys out there experience some of these same things, just just know you are not alone. I'm not just struggling right there with you. Um, what else? What else? What else? Oh, I pulled up on uh, the Perot Museum of uh, Nature and Science last week here in Dallas for my folks on IG, you know, science, uh, especially like cosmology, astronomy, astrophysics. Like that's my like secret nerd out space. So I, I had a time. I had a ball. Uh, they also had a Pixar exhibit that really kind of tapped into like the science behind Pixar, which was really dope. Super insightful. But I'll touch on that uh, a little bit more in a sec. You know, all in all, things have been good. Uh, can't complain. And I hope things have been uh, pretty good for you guys as well. So, all right. You know, let's jump into it. So it's time for that Lit. Um, as you guys may know, uh, my, my my returning viewers and listeners, that's lit is a segment where I shout out a company, a person, an initiative, whatever the case it is, shine some light on them, highlight you know something dope that I came across, uh, anything kind of across that whole that whole idea. So as I mentioned a sec ago, I want to give a that's lit to Disney Pixar. Uh, Like I said, as I mentioned, I checked out the uh, exhibit, the Pixar exhibit at the Perot uh, Museum here in Dallas. And uh, I, you know, I I was blown away. I got to be completely honest. I've worked uh, both directly and adjacent to production artists, digital artists, uh, animators. And the and and the amount you know of labor and 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 detail and creativity that goes into it is crazy. But this was absolutely next level. Um, the 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 amount of work and time and and thoughtfulness and 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 just putting a comprehensive Disney Pixar movie together, like some of our favorite films. It's just absolutely astonishing. I already had a tremendous appreciation for the work that goes into these films, but this this really just heightened and deepened that appreciation even more. Being able to be hands on and understanding, you know, developing lighting for cartoons is, is a real thing for these animated movies. You know, from putting in motion to uh, you know from from raw sketches into you know 3D digital animation uh, and motion is is nuts uh, so I'm definitely gonna go back probably this weekend and bend some Disney movies uh, and 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 watch them from a different perspective with a new appreciation and just vibe out it was it was crazy it was it was dope. Um, anyone in the area I definitely recommend check it out I think it moves around and travels So anytime you guys can tap in and see some of that, the magic behind the Pixar Disney stuff Absolutely I recommend it um, Especially my creatives out there My creative production people My professional creatives uh, it, it gives you a lot of uh, like insight you know, and, and And some gravity to the work That goes behind some of these stories that we just love so deeply So definitely check it out if you have an opportunity to also, I want to give a that lit to all the April babies. Shout out April babies. Uh, some of my favorite people in the world, some of my most close friends and family uh, are April babies. Uh, I don't know how or where that happened. I mean, they line up. They hit back to back to back to back to back this month. And we're only, you know, 10, 11 days, you know, 12 days, I think now through. And um, yeah, shout out to the April babies. I don't know what April got shaking, but it's uh, produced some real ones. So, happy birthday to all the April babies! Shout out to y'all. Much love. All right, on to one of my, if not my favorite segment, straight gas. Uh, straight gas is a segment where I give quick takes on social, political, cultural, pop cultural topics. You know, sports, entertainment. Um, And conversations that are going on around social media So for this week's straight gas For my sports folks The NBA playoffs are about to strike up And I have five quick takes Five quick ones um, That I am going to present With minimal explanation Do with it what you will First The NBA season this season Has been so Incredibly Boring. We've had some peaks, mostly of things that are kind of off the court. The you know the John Morant situation. Uh, we've had you know the, the 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 Katie situation and the Kyrie stuff. Uh, you know on the court we had LeBron breaking the scoring record this year, but you know for the most part outside of that and you know the conversation around the MVP race there you know it's and and the the Grizzlies just cutting the fool you know but that's an extension of the John Morant stuff. There really hasn't been a lot of strong kind of on-court, off-court, you know, narratives besides like drama stuff. Um, You know, we even had like the Andrew Wiggins stuff, the rumors, which was, you know, stupid and it's just kind of pointless. I don't know. It's made for some good memes, some good jokes. But honestly, you know, for folks that like watch basketball, like I watch watch basketball, uh, this year has been pretty lackluster. Second. I'm a Laker fan, begrudgingly sometimes. And I can't believe y'all let us slide into the playoffs with a little momentum. Um, Last night, uh, I watched the uh, play-in game between the Lakers and the, the Timberwolves. And, you know, playoff basketball is just different. That's probably one of the best games I have watched this year. You know, it, it was not the prettiest basketball, but it was it was dramatic. It was intense, and it and it felt like something was on the line, which I think the NBA season just completely doesn't have anymore. But you know, it it you know it it is what it is. But I can't believe y'all let us slide in here. Um, I'm curious to see how this Memphis Lakers series is going to shake out. Um, if I was a betting man, I think the Lakers probably pull it in seven just because of experience. I know Memphis is missing a few folks, but um. I can't believe y'all let us slide in here like this, man. It's crazy. Number three. Remember back when big stars, like changing teams, was like a really, really big deal? Well, I mean, we had hella player movement again this year. We had, you know, Katie and Kyrie, the whole Brooklyn Nets breakup situation. Uh, We had Russ moving again. And um, it didn't really kind of register like it's it's really become you know normalized in a particular way it it made like a little splash where we talked about the team dynamics and you know where teams are placed now but player mobility has just gotten so normalized that you know these super mega stars these all-time talents and players are moving teams you know every couple years or so and it's just kind of like meh You know, and I'm all for player mobility, for player mobility. I I like the idea that guys can really kind of dictate their past, their futures, and what they want to do, you know, what's best for their careers, what's best for their families, what's best for their playing situation. Absolutely. But it's just not a big deal anymore. Um, And that's kind of sad in a way, I guess. Number four, uh, Nikola Jokic, uh, the Joker, (laughs) <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, was like he was this close from winning his third straight MVP. I think over the last couple of weeks, Joel Embiid has done enough late to kind of keep you know Joker from from getting that third straight. But I think that says more about the state of the league than anything. Um, because with with you know, there's only been a handful of players. I think it's only been three players who've won three straight MVPs uh, in the history of the game. And for him to win that almost kind kind of makes, forces us into a conversation about the Joker that I don't think the rest of his career has really supported. Um, and, I, <laughs> you know, he's he's an outstanding player. Don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. But, man, winning three straight, it's so many great players who haven't done that. Uh, and for him to be one... I don't know I don't know it's a complicated situation the way the you know the league markets players uh you know this influx of of international talent at the top end of NBA talent um him playing in Denver we don't see him that much on TV uh, it's a whole bunch of things that go into it he's a phenomenal player but three straight is crazy and uh hopefully you know I don't wanna say hopefully but Joel Embiid is kind of his, his late surge towards the end of the year I think has shifted the momentum towards him winning the MVP, and we get to avoid having to have that conversation. But it's going to be the same thing next year. He's going to be right there putting up the same numbers, and we're going to have to have the same conversation again. So I don't know. We'll see how it shakes out. We'll see what Denver does in the playoffs and if it helps kind of justify his claim because, man, three straight, three and four – that's rarefied air, and I don't know if we're quite ready to talk about Nikola Jokic in that in that light just yet. Five and final, and this is following off the off the past point. Four of the top players in the top five players in the league, arguably, are international players: Joel Embiid, uh, Nikola Jokic, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Luka Doncic. These are four, if not four of the top five, four of the top ten players in the league. They're all international players. And I think that along with other things that we can definitely get into at another point, I think it's bleeding domestic interest in the league. Um, I'm not happy with the way the NBA has, has kind of marketed and positioned some of these young stars. Um, and also, you know, I think there's something innate in the sense that some of these international players who are the best players in our game, we talk about, you know, the last, you know, handful of MVPs and and and, and MVP winner-ups, you know, is, is these group of guys. And outside of the, you know, the cities that they play in, there's not a lot of domestic connections. So I, I'd imagine it's a little bit more difficult to market, but... The NBA has the team and the creators and, and the thought leaders to be able to do it. I just think they've done a poor job of it. Um, even with some of the young domestic stars and kind of putting them in the forefront, the the reliance on LeBron and Steph to kind of carry ratings is, I mean, you talking about a guy 14, 15 years of his career and the other one, you know, 20 years in his career. It's not a sustainable model. Um I don't know what David Stern and the crew are going to do about it, but just an observation. I think it's it's, it's bled domestic interest along with, you know, the whole conversation around load management. You know, the level of play uh, isn't as intense during a regular season. You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff. But that's just one thing that just kind of, you know, hit me and and I I wanted to bring up to you guys. Curious to hear your perspectives on any of these quick takes. Please feel free to share. You can hit me if you got my jack. Leave it in the comments, messages, whatever you want to do. But, yeah, man, we're going to see how the playoffs shake off. I'm looking forward to seeing how things get started off this weekend. We got another play-in tonight and a couple more games later in the week. And then we strike up, you know, the real deal on Sunday. So, you know, we'll see how it shake out. All right. Next topic in That's Lit is this Freaknik documentary that's uh, been announced on Hulu, it's been a lot of conversation about this. A lot of jokes. Uh, for those who aren't, you know, familiar or don't know, Freaknik was the annual spring break festival that was popularized in the '90s. Um, it started kind of as a uh, event for students of the HBCUs, particularly those in the AUC in Atlanta. Um, you know, Morehouse, Spelman, Clark Atlanta, and it was like a, a massive street party. It was music vibes you know, concerts, uh, a whole bunch of different events. It was, I mean, I, th- I think they're even like film festivals and panels and stuff like it was, it was a lot going on. But the core of the conversation was basically just these these matt this massive street party um, that that was going on. And it's most infamously known for how wild those parties got in the early mid 90s. And um, the running joke that's been going around is, you know, people worried or not worried about seeing like their moms, their aunts, older sisters and other women that they know, uh, you know, who, who were in their heyday back then, getting caught on tape, cutting up during Freak Nick. And I got I got to say some of some of the memes have been hilarious. The conversation around it has been super funny. Um but there is a darker side to that, that a lot, that not many folks are talking about that immediately popped into my mind. So I, <laughs> I have had the fortune in the 90s and early 2000s to see bits and pieces of footage from Freak Nick. And while y'all worry about catching y'all moms, y'all aunts, and y'all grandmas out here on tape. Y'all need to be worried about y'all dads, your uncles, your brothers, your OGs on that damn tape. Like I said, I've seen the footage and the wildest shit on there is how predatory and abusive the men were with women. I mean, sexual assault, sexual misconduct, sexual abuse, and who knows what else this is all on tape y'all go on youtube right now and see it it is there (laughs) y'all worried about y'all mamas and them getting exposed i need to be ready to side eye some of these old heads these coaches preachers these businessmen these fathers these brothers yeah it's it's wild like it's wild and you know I, i i hope they tell the whole story I hope that they speak on this component of it because I think it's something in lore that often gets kind of overlooked. But man, there was some real wild, crazy shit going on during Freak Nick. And um I don't know. I I hope we get to see it in its entirety. Uh they haven't released a you know, put out a release date for it or nothing yet, but man, I I, I it'd be in their best interest to tell the whole story because this is this is going to be a thing when it drops, i'm telling y'all the ones that know know when this drops it is going to be a thing and it ain't going to be about the parties it is going to be a thing we're going to see all right boom it's time to get lit uh the title of our episode is they sold our souls souls like shoes um, on Air, The Commodification of Sneaker Culture and Dirty Air Force Ones So uh, over the weekend, I didn't mention this, but over the weekend uh, I saw the movie Air, which just came out um, which, which really talks about and encapsulates the journey and relationship the, the beginning of the relationship between Michael Jordan and Nike to develop the Air Jordan um, and how he came over to Nike and just the the whole kind of story and background behind that. And seeing it uh, really sparked up a lot of thoughts and feelings around what sneakers meant to me growing up. Uh, what they meant to folks that look like me and kind of juxtaposing that against what sneaker culture is now and how much it's changed and shifted uh, over the course of the last 10, 15 years. So for me, growing up, sneakers were, were a big deal. Um, you know, take this as you may. Uh, I grew up in a lower socioeconomic situation. You know, it wasn't you were not help popping out getting shoes like that. You know, you get a pair of shoes to start the school year um, and you had to on top of that, keep them clean, keep them nice. Uh, until, you know, Christmas when you maybe get another pair or, you know, for the real ones, when that income tax, tra- you know, when that income tax drop, that's, th- those are the times of the year you got new shoes. And, you know, not only was it about, you know, just getting new shoes, you know, those one or two times a year, it's trying to get, you know, the coolest, the dopest shoe you could get and taking care of it. Uh, people really, and still do in a, in a lot of sense, um, within s- certain communities, your sneakers say a lot about you, you know, how you wear them, how clean they are, how new they are, what they are. It, it means a lot in a lot in a lot of social circles. Um, it did then, uh, and it does now. But back then, it was it was it was almost like a, a sense of pride, you know, it was something that made you feel confident whenever I get a new pair, you know, and oftentimes they were Jordans. You know, sometimes they were Air Max, uh, uh, Saucony. You know, soldieries had a moment. Um, you know, it was a it was a bunch of different shoes, and 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 it it really. I can only speak for me, but I do know this to be true for other folks. It, it gave me a different level of confidence. You know, putting on that shoe made me feel something. It made me feel better about myself. It, it it gave me confidence kind of walking to school to, to kind of go about my day. Like I knew I, I knew I had it on. I knew I had it on me. And I, I, I think, you know, I think we all can relate to that in some sense when you putting on, you know, whether it's your favorite sneaker, uh, your favorite shoe, your favorite heel, your favorite boot, um, your favorite jacket, coat, dress, uh, hat, hoodie, whatever it is, we all have those articles of clothing that we put on that really just make make us feel like him or make us feel like her. You know what I mean? And and that's what sneakers were for me growing up. So it's 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 like I said. This this watching this movie kind of sparked up a lot of feelings that kind of brought me back to some of those places, um, and spaces and feelings, and and kind of made me think about what's been going on as a whole. So um, for those of you who kind of aren't operating functioning in that space there is a there's been a lot of talk over the last few years on you know social on podcasts sneaker blogs vlogs and within just the sneaker community as a whole about how much sneaker culture has changed in the last 10 15 years you know from the the digital transformation of the industry um, consignment and resellers to the shifts in the actual culture that was built around sneaker interest and enthusiasm uh, even the people who buy and consume sneakers has changed. And, you know, how we buy and consume sneakers has changed. And it's it's an ongoing conversation about have things gotten net better or net worse. Um, I'll share my opinion on it. But, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a lot of things that kind of factor into it. And I don't think some of the, many of these things aren't exclusive just to, you know, sneakers and, and, and shoe culture. Uh, the Internet you know, the the, the the digital transformation and globalization of sneaker culture. You know, there used to be a time um, where when a sneaker dropped for the vast majority of us, you were limited to kind of driving distance between malls and standalone, you know, brick and mortar sneaker stores to cop your shoes. And if you didn't get them, if you flatly, you just didn't get them. It, 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 end the story, you know, so you camped out. You got up hella early, you know, or, you know, some folks on the more nefarious end, you know, you, you jack folks for their shoes, but you had to get to the stores. You had to talk to humans. You had to check release dates. Um, Nike and Adidas and Reebok used to actually run ads for new sneaker releases like on TV, you know, on radio you had the East Bay magazine for my old heads, you know, flipping through the East Bay magazine in school, time, I'm gonna get these, I'm gonna get these, No, you ain't gonna get shit out of there. um, you know, you had the Nike talk, you know, in the in the early days of the internet, and you know, I call that the AOL age of the internet. You know, you know now you have you know these physical and 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 digital online boutiques and these online sneaker marketplaces and stores doing like online digital raffles. And now if you if you can't get the sneaker, you know, you just you you go consignment, you go resale, and the landscape is just just completely different. You know, and I think the thing that really sparked this more specifically was the internet. Uh, uh, and even more specifically upon that, the development of e-commerce. Um, we got to a point where you could basically, you know, make and excel and exchange goods online. And transfer currency safely and freely online as that became more acceptable, you know, you have eBay, you have a number of different sites and apps that have popped up over the years, you know, StockX, all that kind of stuff where you can literally not leave your bed and order your sneakers, you know, sneakers app, of course, even though that's a conundrum in and of itself. Um, You have, you know, social media Which made the community, along with many others, you know, outside of just sneakers, uh, more visible and and more accessible. And, you know, with any with any growth market, you know, any product, any any interest, any space of interest, more visibility equals more interest and more interest. You know, that's that's a that's an open invitation, open welcome invitation for capitalism to step in and do what it does. Also you know, with more visibility and more interest, you know, they're they the the market becomes a little bit more diluted. You have people who are coming in and and, you know, don't necessarily have the same connection, uh, emotional connection, you know, to shoes or the culture, like I kind of mentioned earlier and about kind of what they mean to some people. And, you know, they just want, you know, what's new, what's high, I'm popping in, I'm popping out. And, you know, there's 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 a fine line between gatekeeping and preservation, but, you know, once something has come become that diluted, once the space has become that diluted, it's, you know, practically impossible to truly kind of preserve all the elements of it. So you kind of just have to, you know, come to terms with what things have become. And, you know, it's, it's, it's it was a unique time where there was an opportunity for the sneaker brands to do something to kind of curve this shift that we were going in. but. You know, the brands responded as brands, as, you know, capital, uh, capital driven, revenue, profit driven entities do. Um, they responded to all this new interest um, in this expanding growth market. And instead of, you know, amping up production to make sure that, you know, you service the people who have always supported your brands your sneakers or products, you um, they decided to <laughs> to go the other way, to uh, create more scarcity and drive more demand, um, raise the price of sneakers, doing collabs, limited releases, um, regional limited releases. Only certain stores could get certain things at this point. You know, and it's and it's crazy. You know, from a cultural perspective, uh, sneaker culture went mainstream. And the the, the early days, you know, I think about, you know, nice kicks and celebrity sneaker watch and stuff like that on Complex and how much the sentiment has changed. You know, we used to get mocked for camping out or getting up early to wait in lines for sneakers. And I ain't gonna hold you like this. It was a racial thing for sure, because we was out there. You know, I can't speak for other regions, you know, completely. But, you know, I'm from the South. You know, I've been doing this, you know, since invested in this since the you know since the 90s so it's it's um it's, it's very much different now you know we were I, I can remember seeing stories on the news where you know they kind of vilified us and stereotype you know black folks sitting outside you know waiting for sneaker releases and and talked talked about us crazy you know you there were conversations about you know <laughs> It's a ridiculous conversations about like disparity and wealth and black homes. And people would actually bring up folks buying sneakers as a reason why black folks can't escape poverty. That was really a thing. That was really like a deep sociocultural, sociopolitical conversation had at that the highest levels of media and government. They blame sneakers while black folks are poor, you know, why there's poverty amongst the black community. It was crazy. And, you know, all of a sudden... Things changed. It was um a couple weeks ago, it was a guy uh that I saw post on TikTok uh that was it was a white guy responding to kind of a question I think he received in one of his comments about did white people destroy sneaker culture? And he defended it. I think his argument was, you know, it's it's about, it's always been about color ways, not colors. And, you know, I responded to him and we had a nice dialogue about, you know, kind of expressing, you know, in spaces where, you know, white folks enter into spaces, cultural spaces that belong to other people, um, that are populated by other people. And then have the convenience of trying to exclude race from the conversation. And, you know, like I said, we had we had a good dialogue and we talked about kind of whiteness and how whiteness kind of performs, commodifies, colonizes and you know, it's 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 definitely. I don't want to say they destroyed it. I think you know capitalism, um, and 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 commerce is is actually the the culprit here. But uh, their interest is what drove this. And you know, as soon as white kids got invested, you know, as they tend to do with you know minority, particularly black-driven cultural spaces, the narrative around what it was changed. Now we weren't. You know, hoodlums and and stupid and, and poor kids out here spending their last, you know, few pennies to get you know some stupid sneakers. Now, oh, it's a viable industry. You know, companies, millionaires, billionaires are investing in 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 sneaker commerce architecture and 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 building out these spaces to uh, facilitate sneaker commerce and sneaker conversations. Uh, you have the media companies, you know, complex, you know, who've always kind of been in the space uh, But really, you know, popped out And this has become a thing This is a real thing There are sneaker conventions that travel Across the, the country now For sellers and resellers to get shoes And, you know Again, I, I always try to, you know, be fair You know, there are, of you know Exceptions, of course um, Of, you know, white folks And people of other cultures Being invested um, in sneaker culture And being into shoes Way before it became like this but, you know, there's a long history of, of white folks co-opting, colonizing and commodifying black culture along with other minority cultures and subcultures. You know, you, you have this opportunity now where you have the brands are driving scarcity um, and driving demand. Um and then you, you have this influx of folks who, you know, probably more so on average have more financial uh fluidity and 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 and, and, and can you know, buy sneakers at a at a at a greater clip and in more volume. So that's where you see these resellers pop in. You know, and reselling was always a thing. I don't want to make this seem like it's a new thing that popped up. You know, I remember, you know, being younger, you know, whether it's the, the 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 playoff 12s and 97, like the like the real the first original releases, like max 97s, you know, max 95s. I was I was outcha. Like I had them shoes. I was out with my cousins. You know, you know, had my mom driving me all over Birmingham, dropping me off at malls so I can get these shoes when I was a kid, kid, not even a teenager, a kid, kid trying to get these sneakers. And, you know, even if you didn't get the shoe, you know, we had, you know, drug dealers or hustlers, whatever the case it is, will come into the stores and buy up a ton of shoes. This was way before the, you know, limited to one, you know, purchase, limited to two all that kind of stuff. You, They come in and just buy up all the sneakers and they come back to the hood and sell them back to us. But they ain't not bust our heads. They knew we was kids. You know, it was it was, you know, just just, you know, chump change for them. Just something to do just to flex and to, and to be able to kind of give that back to the community and make them a little bread on the side. But, you know, you were never paying crazy amounts of resale over the top of it. It was just a way for them really to just kind of flex and get their shit off you know versus now you know good god and then you even think about the prices like when i was in high school you know like jordan ones were like 85 dollars like high top you know what i'm saying mid lows 65 75 you know what i'm saying air force ones 60 65 you know um 11s was 125, 3's was 110, you know, fours was like 125. And you know, and at the time that's still relatively expensive, but comparatively, you know, we talking, you know, two, three, in some cases, four times the price, and that's just retail. And then these shoes hit the resale market. You pricing out, I I couldn't imagine growing up now with the same enthusiasm and interest I had in sneakers when I was younger. I would I would have no shoes. It'll be impossible. I'll just be on sneakers hoping I can hit. i would be signing up for every raffle. It'd be crazy. You know what I'm saying? And now, even half the time, I don't even participate in that stuff. You know, I've, I've, I've worked hard and afforded myself a life where I don't have to go through the hassle, which in some cases is a benefit. But that's that's privilege where I don't, I don't worry about if I miss the release or if I miss a shot drop, I should go buy a resale. I ain't tripping. I'll pay whatever I i pay whatever I need to pay if it's a shoe that I really want. But that's 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 speaking from a, a place of privilege now. Um and that's not the case for most folks most folks. You know, it's just the white kids tapped in, the market grew, demand grew, prices went up, um, the ground for resellers was laid. Uh you had these companies and and come in and 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 create commerce-driven infrastructure around uh, the sneaker culture and boom, this is this is where we at. You know, now you have white guys out here, folks from other races, um you know, who've co-opted the culture around sneakers and streetwear and appointed themselves authority on it. And, you know, it's just it's just it's the wild, wild west out here. And again, this isn't to vilify folks in the way that they used to do us dirty you know back in the day this is just kind of bring light to the situation so we can have an honest conversation about what's going on what's happened how do we get here and what are the contributing factors for it you know the 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 sneaker market is all hype driven you know it used to be I remember popping into school you know kids was wearing like the new KGs the Kevin Garnetts y'all don't know was dropped They was hot up tempos you know the pennies, penny ones, phones. You know Saucony, soldieries, Reebok classics. Um, you know Reebok questions, AI shoe, the answer. You know the two different shoes and two different lines he had running with Reebok. Um, you know shell toes always had a space in the culture. You know it was it, it it was a different time. You know and and now the value of a sneaker is determined. Not by, you know, how people feel about it, or you having specific interest, or you know, you you like a particular brand, or you know, you like particular silhouettes. It's about resale value and what's popping. You know, I, I I'll bust out a prime example. You know, even just a few years ago, when the the Amex '97 silver bullets and the gold Amex '97s dropped. You couldn't get your hands on them, dog. Like they were selling out in the physical stores, let alone online. Man, the silver bullets dropped a little bit ago. The gold ninety sevens dropped, bro. You can still get them for retail, and because the 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 thought around them is they're bricks. You know what I'm saying? I I, I hate that phrase, just because I it's it's I, I think it's so crazy to put that resale value drives interest in the 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 intrinsic value of a shoe and these are great shoes awesome shoes you know i don't know i don't know it's 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 just changed. it's it culture's gotten so monolithic i mean prime example is you know what we see with the dirty Force ones the black and white panda dunks um you know, and I got to be completely honest, the pandas don't bother me as much as some, you know, I used to wear dunks, I was big back when, you know, Nike was doing, you know, dunks with undefeated collaborations, um, you know, dunks, dunks can be, you know, kind of contributed in that first way, the pigeon dunks, um, as, as really being one of the, you know, first goods, you know, really driving, Sneaker culture and being some of those initial releases that really took this to the next level, you know, bread elevens, space jams, galaxy foams, you know, it, it was a pocket. With, it went crazy, and that's that's kind of like the launching point. And you know, it 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 all just changed. But you know, I don't have a big issue with the panda dunks, um but them damn dirty force ones, bro. That's just foul. Like that's just crazy. That's wild to me. You know, aside just from being a complete violation of everything sacred about sneakers and sneaker sneaker culture and streetwear, it's just plain nasty, bro. Like, it's actual, like, it's, it's filthy, it's disgusting. Like, you, you're intentionally transporting visible dirt, grime, mud, germs, bacteria around and calling it, like, a style, like a style trend. Y'all, y'all dirty Air Force Ones, and y'all know who I'm talking about. Y'all, y'all out here just looking like dirty mutts and pooputs. Like it's it's insulting to you know for everyone that had to take a toothbrush to them Air Force Ones back in the day, them Uptowns, them G-nikes, they, they got names, it's regionality who had to take that toothbrush to them. And if you couldn't clean them, they got scuffed. You know what I'm saying? You in Walmart, you in Kmart, you in the stores, the sneaker stores, getting white sneaker pilots trying to touch up them spots. Trying to touch up them spots. So them scuffs don't show. You know what I'm saying? You overdo it. Now your whole she- your whole sneakers shine. Like y'all, y'all went in the mud. Y'all went in the gym. Y'all, y'all went in the gym with us with this. And, you know, it's 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 insulting, bro. Like it's crazy. You know, from a kid, you know, who grew up and that's me and my shit. That's me and my trauma. From a kid who grew up who you didn't get a lot of shoes? To when you finally start making some money on your own, you all the way out here but you still taking care of your stuff because, you know, black folks, you know, poor folks, you you take care of what you have because there ain't no guarantee you are gonna get another one. Just see y'all like had just running these Force once through the fucking mud. It's I say all that to say. At the end of the day, wear what you like to wear, you know, wear what you want to wear, but just acknowledge if you're not in the mix like that, if you're not invested like that, just just acknowledge that there are people um, that this is really real to. This is really, you know, a lot of people care a lot about, you know, sneaker cultures and sneakers and and their their grails um, and have strong feelings, even stronger than me, you know, about this kind of stuff. You know, just respect that folks are passionate about this and they have something to say and it means something to them and you know I get it. You know, I'm a part of it. Uh it's it's just different. And it's not going back. There ain't no point sitting here harping, whining, complaining about it, even though I kind of just did for, you know, 20 minutes or so. But it is what it is. We we have to adapt. But, you know, I always think that it's important to have conversations around spaces and things that we we feel passionately about to talk about where we've come from. Um, Because it in almost every case informs where we're going and we just kind of see this natural flow of, you know, commodification and commercial commercialization and the reselling of cultures back to people and the selling it to new audiences and what it does to these cultures, whether it's sneaker culture, whether it's music you know whether it's fashion whether it's dance whatever it is just the co-opting commodification colonization of cultures and what that means to the people who are originally in those spaces um and 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 what it means for them now that we've transitioned to a space where it's 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 moved into pop culture um what we no longer you know kind of have control and dictate those spaces so it's always an interesting conversation when we can have you know you know, conversations and talk about things like this a little bit more in detail. But like I said, it is what it is. I respect it. I'm still going to be on mine. I'm still going to get my sneakers. I'm still going to be out here. I'm going to be 80 out here, getting it out the mud and keeping the mud off my shoes at the same time. So it is what it is. So, yeah, folks, that's all I got for today. Um, Again, I love to hear you guys' thoughts. Um, I know there's a community of folks that have very strong thoughts and opinions on the sneaker culture stuff, um, I'd love to hear you guys' you know kind of conversations and thoughts around kind of this Freaknik stuff. Uh, it's you know it's, it's a lot going on. You know, it's, it's, we're moving into the spring. Like I said, the playoffs are starting. It's a lot to talk about. It's a lot of conversations we can have out here. So I'm curious to get you guys' feedback, hear your ideas on some of the stuff that I touched on today. Uh, As always, you know, don't forget to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, Make sure to to subscribe, you know, be it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe there as well so you can stay up to date on new content as it drops. Uh, Link up with me uh, on IG and TikTok at bigmerk, B-I-G-G dot M-E-R-K. It's the same on both platforms. And uh yeah, until next time, uh pull up, stay up, and get lit. We outcha. Ya. Y'all be cool. oh uh, back at it, at another it. crack at it. I'm a fiend for it like a crack addict This is mathematics Try and match it or add it The mad at it. Far from average, a savage Call me Luca from Atlanta to Dallas I'm a maverick First pick like I got drafted World on my